This is Eastman's Elevated Podcast. I have on great guests that are really knowledgeable, consistently successful. We're able to dive deep down the rabbit holes of these different subject matters of shooting, of physical fitness, of mental toughness and drive. All the different skills that make up a complete hunter that you can become. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So on today's podcast, I have back on my friend Matt Tillotson. So Matt's, um, man, he's a fairly young guy, but uh, wise beyond his years as he's had a ton of Western hunting success for mule deer, for elk. I would say his passion really lies for mule deer, but the guy's just constantly working to get better and to improve and to have his best season yet. And uh, so I always really enjoy getting him on the podcast and having an in-depth conversation to see what he's up to. He's got some great tags this year and um, just some great insight and value to what it takes to be consistently successful. So I really enjoyed today's conversation. I'm sure you guys will too. We'll get right into it. I just want to thank a couple sponsors. I want to thank Savage Arms. Savage builds the most accurate out-of-the-box rifles that I've ever had my hands on. Uh, Really impressed how their rifles get along with different ammo types uh, and just the accuracy. They have just a they have a bunch of different models for all your preferences. And so the ones the guys like at the office are the 110 Ultralight. It's a lightweight mountain hunting rifle. Uh, It's got a synthetic stock and uh, it's got other key features like an accu trigger so you can adjust the trigger pull yourself Uh, it also has an accu stock where you can adjust the length of pole and the comb height to fit you perfectly for the rifle and um, man they're just good shooting rifles i have one built up uh that i really like that i've got this six hour scope on and honestly it took me like a handful of shots to have the thing sighted in and then tested groups out to long range and the thing is just absolutely shooting so uh just great rifles you can check out those they also have some budget models as well uh so you don't have to spend a pile of money to get into a really good western hunting rifle uh so if you're in the market for a new rifle make sure to check these guys out uh as i think it builds just a great western hunting rifle uh, over there at Savage Arms, and thanks to those guys for their support. I also want to thank Silencer Central. Uh, so Silencer Central builds uh, suppressors for your rifles. So they have a bunch of different models as well. I think the one that uh, best fits us Western hunters is they have a Banished Backcountry. Uh, super lightweight, I think it's like 7 ounces, uh, and then um, it's also very small as well, like the length of it is five and a half inches. I think these things come into play, like it's going to make less noise when you shoot at an animal, so you may be able to get a second shot or a follow-up shot on that animal. That's really good on your hearing. Uh, I know uh, we all want to continue to hear bugles until late in our life, and at the the more we're around loud rifles, Uh, the worse it is for our hearing. And so this silencer will definitely help with that as well. Uh, And and just, um, you know, you're not going to get the kick off your rifle. Uh, It's going to suppress that a little bit, which is also going to make you hold on target better and more accurate. Uh, So if you guys are in the market for it, check them out at Silencer Central. Those guys can help you get the threads on the end of your rifle. They can help you with the approval process and paperwork and get you on the list to get you this rifle uh, for Western hunting. 
So make sure to check them out. Again, that's Silencer Central. I also want to thank Black Ovis. Black Ovis is an internet retail shop that has absolutely everything you need for your next hunt. They carry all the top name brands as well as their own name brand. Um, so hunting with Clint a couple weeks ago, he had a bunch of their name brand stuff, and I was impressed at the quality, and um, he was saying he really likes it. So you can go check those guys out, save a little bit of money. I think um, Dylan, uh, my hunting buddy, also had a pair of puffy pants last time I saw him from Black Ovis. So uh, they have a bunch of quality gear, uh, and, and you can save 10% off your order by putting in the code ELEVATED10. So 10%, you think of like an order on a season of trying to upgrade some gear, 10% is quite a bit of savings. And so um, make sure you use that promo code if you order anything from them. I also want to thank Camo Fire. Camo Fire is an app where they have 80 new hunting deals that come up every 24 hours. A lot of overstock items here, but it's all top name brands. You can save a pile of money if you watch that app and watch these deals come through. So check those guys out over at Camo Fire. And with that, over at Eastman's, uh, me and Dan are rolling on that new podcast, uh, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Life of a Bow Hunter. Really proud at how that's coming out. Just a great chemistry, great conversations, and we're able to dive a little bit further in depth on archery subjects. Uh, so the last episode's a good one. It's episode seven. And uh, we talk about our biggest bulls to date and some of the things we did right. And um, some of the things that we've learned in our evolution of bow hunting over the last handful of years and how that um, uh, really showed up, uh, you know, during these encounters of being clutch on these big bulls. So made for a great conversation. It's on its own feed. You have to go search for it wherever you're listening to podcasts. Uh, you can also find it on YouTube as well. So check that out. Uh, check out the Mule Deer course. Uh, everything I've learned and know the last 25 years of hunting Mule Deer. Uh, so you can find that if you search Eastman's Mule Deer Course, put in the promo code BRIANMDC, that'll save you 10% on that. I just, for the for the money it costs, it's such a value. And um, when I was really in my learning stage, although I'm, I'm always a student of the game and always learning, but when I was younger coming into Western hunting, I know I would read every book on mule deer and elk and just trying to obtain this knowledge. And I paid... I remember I paid more than that for Mike Eastman's book that was out of publishing. You know, for this Mule Deer course, it's a hundred bucks. You put in that promo code, it's ninety bucks. I paid more for that, more for Mike Eastman's book than I, uh, than you have to pay for that Mule Deer course. And it's over a hundred hours of um, video format, which makes it easy to digest. Different chapters, so you can kind of jump around. Really proud how it come came out. So uh, make sure to check out that. Everything we're doing at Eastman's, we're getting ready to release some new Beyond the Grids. Uh, we got Dan's Two Big Bulls. We've got uh, me and Mule Deer Hunt Nevada. Also got an elk hunt coming up. So um, should be good content for you, so make sure to check that out. And with that, let's get into this podcast. It's a good one with Matt. And um, yeah, I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Thank you. Yeah. need that. Good man. Looks like you've been keeping busy um, working on your videos. Looks like, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I've uh, <clears throat> I've uh, upgraded some some camera equipment, and you know how we kind of were talking about cameramen and stuff like that. I yeah, I think I've got that one guy uh, coming with me this fall. But when uh, I don't know, just when I'm by myself, I want to make sure and capture good video and i i picked up a gopro 11 um black and it's 
I, uh, it, it does pretty well. You know, it's got good, good video and I like the audio. The problem with like, uh, <clears throat> just using my iPhone is my audio. It, you get that background noise a lot, you know, and it's hard to, I, that GoPro just seems to do a little better on audio. So that I was pretty excited about that. You can even hear like the birds and stuff in the background. And it's just cool. It's really neat. I, been uh, kind of working on some um, some video uh, editing equipment and some of that kind of stuff. I don't want to get too crazy because I don't want that to be the focus. But um, but yeah, definitely definitely been working on it a little bit. Yeah, well, you're gonna take your um, YouTube channel to the next level. It looks like um, like spending <laughs> a little bit on equipment, and then, you know, it seems like anything with that video is just like working with it. And the more you yeah. edit, like I saw you edited a little piece for like a scouting trip. Like the more you edit, the more you realize like the shots you need and the uh, how to tell the story better, don't you? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely definitely um a technique to it i mean it's like it's one thing to just go out and hunt i mean and sometimes i just do that and it's kind of a relief actually because i'm not my brain's not thinking about all these the scenic views and you know trying to trying to process the video part of it um and so it's just like go out and kill you know kill something you know that's that's not not the easy part but it's it's easier than trying to make, you know, tell a story about it too. Um, so yeah, it's, it's coming along. I'm, I'm, uh, pretty excited about this year. It's the season's coming together and, you know, this, this little, my YouTube channel's not, not very big yet. And I don't, I mean, I kind of the following that I do have is pretty loyal. So I don't want to make it explode and then, and then get to be, you know, something that I, I didn't want to happen but yeah i'm i'm pretty excited about this uh the way the season's turning out uh yeah man how was uh how about you what are you i, I kind of been following you on your uh well the life of the bow hunter podcast and then this one and it sounds like you're you got a pretty good season coming up yeah yeah it is a good season yeah man i'm super stoked um yeah, I can't wait. Just um, get a little work done here and affairs in order and time to cut these legs loose for fall. So, yeah, I got some um, good muley tags and then one elk tag here in Montana that I'll put a bunch of focus in. And uh, antelope tag, found out I got that the other day, which is good. It, oh, it's, great, man. Good. Yeah, it's usually a guarantee here in Montana for us residents. But, you know, as tags yeah. get tougher and tougher, like you, you never know until you see the successful sign around your name. and uh, those things oh, yeah. are like so good at sharpening my skills right before a lot of these muley hunts and elk hunts and things. So yeah, stoked for that. And yeah, got some good early season, good late season. So just a mix and match of like good adventures and also like places I've been and places I haven't been. And so, uh, yeah, it should be fun. <clears throat> well, that's exciting, man. That's mm -hmm. a, <clears throat> that'll be fun. I've, I've always, the antelope thing's been intriguing to me just like you were talking about sharpening your skills and, and uh, I just haven't done it. I've been so focused on mule deer lately and just uh, getting those. I, I was lucky enough. I drew, um, well, I, I'm now a Wyoming resident. You know, I've been here 
a couple years now and uh with the the winter kill and everything it's 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 going to be tougher you know but uh but i am a resident in wyoming so i can pick up a general deer tag here and then i am also that a uh, lifetime idaho resident or i have an, a lifetime idaho res uh, license and so I could pick up an Idaho general and then I drew Colorado. So my season's going to be pretty, pretty intense. I think, um, that first, first, uh, month of, well, the month of September is going to be just running and gunning the whole time. So that'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> what was that Colorado tag you picked up? Was it archery or was it uh, rifle? I've never been down there. Oh, so one second, Matt. Hey, I, it like uh, disconnected there for a second. Um, can you just start over and I'll edit that out? Um, oh, I, yeah. I had just sure. asked you if it was a, a bow or a rifle and then you were going into it. For some reason, I lost connection. I'm not sure why. Oh, yeah, sure. No problem. Yeah, so it's a – that hunt's a muzzleloader hunt. Um, and I'm pretty excited about it. It's uh, – I was way, way up there in the, the high peaks of Colorado. And so I've always wanted to, to check that, that area out. And, and uh, I hear it can be pretty hard. I mean, I only, I drew it with one point. So it's, it's going to be, and there's a lot of, lot of tags down there. So I don't know. I mean, we're going to give it a good effort. My dad and I both drew it and it'll be a lot of fun. We'll see if we can get some altitude sickness when we're down there and and uh, enjoy that too <laughs> so yeah you're gonna get the get the full experience um <laughs> right on man well uh that doesn't surprise me a bit it's like you're always looking for every opportunity to go hunt mule deer and that muzzleloader sure offers some good opportunities across the west as i look across the west a lot of times the muzzleloader tags are easier to draw than the archery tags now and in colorado you've got to use like a no sights, right? Or I don't know all the rules. What yeah. are the rules for muzzleloaders in Colorado? You know, I, so it's, it's a traditional, I mean, open sites. Uh, there's certain rules and regulations. I, it's basically Idaho's rules. And so coming from Idaho into Wyoming, I'm, I'm used to that. And so I'm just taking my muzzleloader. I had it set up in Idaho and taking it down there. Um, it's got a certain, you can't use like sabots. And I mean, honestly, as far as the ranges go, some guys can get out there to, I don't know, 150 yards or 200 yards. But my gun is about max is like 120, maybe 110. So it's, it's pretty much a glorified bow. But, and honestly, the, the musket caps that I use, sometimes they don't go off. So like you're kind of, you know that arrow is going to fly. I mean, when you draw back, that arrow is going. But the muzzle loader, you just you can get some moisture in those caps or uh, whatever ignition system you're using, and it can be it can be a, a guessing game if you're on that big buck and and if that trigger you know that that load's going to go off. So it can be it can be stressful and and it can be disappointing, but also pretty re rewarding. I 
that uh, bull last year I killed with the muzzleloader in Idaho, and it's just it's it's not the same as archery, I guess. You, I mean, you're still still have a loaded uh, weapon. You know, you don't have to draw and and process that and wait for them to turn all that kind of thing. But it's it's of that degree of difficulty, you know. Bat, it's got like a its own unique set of challenges for sure. Uh, man, good job taking that bowl last year. Like, you gotta you gotta work with those things too and practice with them. And you gotta know all your weapons, right? It's like um, you just yeah. ran into like a really good hunter that's killed a a bunch of animals, and you know he was talking about missing a couple bears this year with his rifle, you know, under pressure and trying to put yeah. films together. And it's like. Man, misses can just happen so easy. Like you, you know, we talk about it, and you, you know, sitting in, you know, my office or like sitting in your house and talking about a miss, it seems like so far from reality. It's like we plan out our seasons. Like this year, you've got, you know, three muley tags you're going for, and you don't really think about missing too often. It's just like, oh, I'm going to, you know, get there and have to work hard, and it's going to be a tough hunt. But, the reality is, is like even for the best of us, it's really easy to airball an animal. Just that that loss in focus, or you know, that fog of adrenaline. You're making quick decisions. It's easy to airball something, and man, that it sure takes you to like a different low during season, doesn't? It? I'm sure you've missed before, oh, huh? Jeez. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, man. I've missed. I, I'll tell you what. Like. You say this all the time in your podcasts and stuff, but like we we fail, like all of us fail. Just the, the guys that are killing bigger bucks or or killing bucks at all, we failed. We fail more. Like really, that's that's the thing. And, and we've we've learned, and we try and not fail. We try and not make the same mistakes, but we still do. And uh, like just the other day, even making that little little film that I did. Um, I have this this rule that I do not go down the the ravines. Like I don't do that. That's that's my like hard fast rule. Do not go down the bottom of the canyon. And for some reason I ended up just like I made it to the bottom of the canyon, you know, and I'm just like I've made this mistake 20 times and I tried to limit those mistakes, but I do this over and over again. And and the mountains just they make you they kind of bring out the worst and they bring out the best in people. And so, you know, talking about misses last year in, in Utah, um, I had that big miss on that, I don't know, 190 buck and uh, with the bow at 30 yards and, and it uh, hit that little twig. And, you know, since just like we were talking about, you don't plan on missing ever. And that really, really affected my whole hunt there. Uh, you know, for two two days or so, I was just in this slump, and you know, um, it's kind of you almost have to prepare for a miss. And I I don't like thinking about that, but you have to prepare for for those moments, and and you know, mentally prepare to be able to pull yourself out of it again. And uh, so so that's why we we practice. I mean, I was out this morning before this podcast, but I I, t- I did a run. I woke up a little late. I had a buddy that came over and and I woke up a little late and he he was like, "Dude, I I missed you." And so I was pushing it hard this morning and then got back and and uh 
was shooting my bow and man, my, my pin was not settling this morning. And I was just like, what? And, and maybe I'm just kind of nervous for the podcast or I, I don't know. I mean, it, you get your mind thinking about other things, but, but yeah, this morning I, my pin was not settling very well. And then finally I calmed myself down. I like eliminated all, all these things in my mind and, and dropped one right in there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think this year could be pretty epic, uh, as far as um, mule deer goes, I think so. I'm going to try and drop one with a bow in, in Wyoming. I hope um, that first week, and then this muzzleloader Colorado hunt starts the ninth down there. And so I'll probably just if I can get it done in Wyoming here, I'll pack up and head to Colorado with the muzzleloader, and then in Idaho I'll try and get my rifle and and kill one. So. The goal this year is three 180 bucks uh, with three different weapons in three different states. That's that's the goal, and that that would be super cool. It'd be a neat neat thing to to make happen, I think. Oh, dude, it'd be the coolest. Well, um, yeah. you're definitely the man to do it. I uh, I really like your point about like it's not preparing to miss a shot, but you have to prepare yourself for like heartache and like for the pain and for uh picking yourself back up because there's definitely going to be highs and lows on a hunt like we know that we've been on enough of these things we know there's going to be lows we just don't know what those lows are going to be and yeah you got to pull yourself out of the hole and i was thinking about it too i did like one of those summits last weekend Mm -hmm. and um you know, I, I come in and there's a, a a lot of guys that want to shoot a better score than me, and rightfully so. Like, I'm competitive as well, and I don't want to let those guys shoot a better score than me. So yeah, the dude, first... you're, you're the masters, so they're, they're like, hey, we're going to try and beat this guy. You well, know? yeah, yeah, and that's it. And so, like, um, you know, as I was walking through, you know, I shot the first day. I shot really good the first day, like a near-perfect score. I think I was like four points off a near-perfect score. And so, you know, I was shooting really well. The pin was holding really well. Everything was executing. I didn't have to go through any of the lows. Like, uh, you know, I, I just shot really good, and um, everything was flowing. And, um, you know, as I went through, you know, I started thinking, like, as I saw a guy miss a target and, you know, like he was shooting really good and he's a great shooter and he made a mental error and, you know, whether it was didn't dial right for the target, I think he didn't get the right range on a distant mule deer with grass sticking up in front of it, you know, and so oh, yeah. just like talking with him about it and I'm like, well, as bad as that hurts in the slump that you're in, like, you know, this, this stuff happens. It's like, you have to be able to pick yourself up from a miss. And now you've got to be able to refocus your mind to be able to execute a good shot and earn another opportunity. And it's so much easier said than done. And then, you know, the second day we went out, so we had backpacked like, I don't know, eight or nine miles of shooting this course. And Lampers makes you shoot with a full pack on, you know, which isn't my normal practice routine. Oh, yeah. with my bow. So I got to the second day and, uh, you know, slept that night. And the second day, I was just fatigued and tired. And um, the pin was not aiming like you were talking about. And so, you know, it made for a struggle as that pin. There was a lot more movement in it. And I just never got that calm shot that I had the day before. So I really had to, like, battle through it in my mind. And I still ended up not shooting any fives. And they were all kill shots. And, you know, my score may have been 10 points down from the first day or whatever. 
but it was almost a better day of shooting because I was so fatigued. My bow wasn't aiming right, and I continued to execute those shot after shot. And it just made me think of like, you know, battling through the second day was my better day of shooting because I had to battle through and battle against my own mind and, you know, put a, you know, aim at a shot and have it break and have it not hit the middle and then have to be okay with that and get on to the next shot. So I thought that was actually better for me than the first day. And it just reminded me the pain of missing, like how bad that hurts, you know, like when you miss an animal that you've been after for days and he's your dream animal and you duff the shot. I mean, the pain of that and the lows that takes you, especially like how much it means to us. And it's, it's not like having like your family sick or something like that, but boy, in the moment, it sure feels like it, you know, and it just reminds me like how I want to avoid that moment at all costs. And I'm, I know I'll miss again in my hunting career, but it also reminds me like, you know, how I really need to think about my execution on the hunt and how I really need to be clutch in these moments when I get these shots at animals. And the reality is, is like a lot of times I do miss and have to chase redemption and still get a buck, but man, you're only going to get so many opportunities in a season or in a hunt. And, and really, you know, the, the great bow hunters are good at capitalizing on those opportunities, you know. And so, you know, it just put it in the forefront of my mind. So as I was giving my talk to the summit attendees, I just talked about, like, being clutch and, like, thinking about your execution on an animal through the duration of the hunt and like your shot process and what you're going to do when you do get that opportunity and, and then all the way through to right before you get that opportunity i think it's so important to keep this present mind and to think about your execution and think how you're going to put that animal in and even visualizations when you lay down at night like picturing that animal broadside and executing that shot and putting it in it i just think like all these steps that we can take to avoid that heartache and that pain and being clutch in the season because man it um uh it's drastically different you know like the feeling when you make a oh, shot to the feeling when you miss a shot right dude and that's what we're just like you know, we're all looking for that success. Like that, that's, I mean, we, we respect the animals, but really uh, part of hunting is just like proving to yourself that you can do extremely hard, difficult things and be able to come out on top and, and be able, there's, I mean, we, we kind of talk about this a lot. You and I is like that physical and then the mental side of it, but like, just being able to process things in a, in a healthy way and mature, healthy way, and especially in disappointments, um, you know, like getting cliffed out is, is a big one. Getting missing a shot is a big one. Not finding animals is a big one. Um, getting stormed out is another one. Uh, just being able to process sleeping in the cold, freezing all night. You know, there's so many disappointments and uh difficulties out there and then but but we've we've a lot of us have tasted that success and and once you do that and you're packing that buck out or bull or whatever it's just it's it's an amazing feeling at the end um but yeah definitely i yeah uh, <laughs> so last time we talked uh i've been working on my bow i i I mentioned to you, I had a little bit of target panic kind of creep into my, my technique and process. And so I told you I was going to just be out every single day, you know, as much as I could trying to, trying to work on that. And, and what I found 
as far as myself here is um, I mental it's it's a mental game for me a little bit uh, I think if I've got other things happening in my life that you're stressful you know at work or in, inside my family or whatever whatever's going on that can really really affect my shooting and it can affect just my focus I guess and and so when I'm out there um, you know, shooting my bow or muzzleloader or rifle or something. That's, I, it, it almost magnifies all of those stresses and, and complicates things. And then, and then on top of that, like when we're out hunting, it's taken so much effort to get to that point. It'll make or break you that moment. You know, that'll, that'll be the moment that you are just like, okay, I've got to this point. I'm done. You know, like I don't even, I'm, I'm focused. Like I, uh, I don't need to worry about this shot and, uh, it'll just, it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden it doesn't happen, you know? Um, so, so those moments are pretty big, but I've been <clears throat> with my bow, at least out there. I try and not shoot a whole bunch of times because if I don't hit the spot center spot every time, um, I start, I start chasing a vapor trail as far as like, do I need to adjust my bow or, Maybe there was a little bit more wind or whatever. And I know this, this Matthews is on, like, I know it is set and it's, I mean, there's, there can be a little adjustments here and there, but 90% of the time it's just me or it's the angle or something, you know, my bow uh, was canned a little bit, or there's a little breeze that came up or something like that. And so I try not to put it all on the weapon. I try and mentally, uh, figure out what's what's going on and what I can do better there but yeah that's a that'll make or break you that that shot moment for sure man it will um you're right our uh our conversations usually go to the mental side of things I think we we <laughs> both time. realize like how important it is right it just like yeah. all starts and ends with the mind and if you can wrap your mind around it like um you know you can accomplish anything and just like you're saying um you know, I, I love the way you stated, you know, to be able to take those lows uh, in a healthy thought process, like uh, uh, whether it's pressure or not finding game or or being stuck down in a bottom that you promised yourself you'd never walk down into. The country just filtered you down into that canyon again. It looked pretty gnarly <laughs> yeah. down in there. And, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way, you know. So you just got to, like, like, handle those in a healthy manner. I think that was, like, a good way to state it. But – yeah, as far as the mind, like the the mind's gonna be what carries you through to the finish line or not. It's like that is the breaking point, and you definitely like a strong body. You know, they they were they coincide with each other. So if you're in great physical shape, you're gonna recover good at night. You're gonna have a healthy mindset in the morning. Where you know, if you're not in good shape, you know, you're gonna be dragging in the morning and not feel good, which means that your mindset's not gonna be right. But but having that that healthy mindset and it's you know, like this positive mental attitude, like this, this fortitude and, and just believing in yourself, you know, that, um, that, uh, that, that you can do it and accomplish it. And, and then to believe in the cause to keep pushing forward until you reach that goal. But yeah, it's like handling that stuff. You're going to get all these chances in life, like before season ever starts to have 
these lows or these shortcomings or these things you're upset about and to be able to work through them in your own mind and like you know you just come up with like the silver line like the like the jocko saying good you know it's like you you go in there and find a bunch of guys in your hunting spots like good well, i wanted to explore other spots anyways or uh you know you get bad weather it's like well well, good. You know, this will be tough weather. This will toughen me up. I'll have to spend a couple days in the tent, but other guys are going to fold. And when this storm breaks, I'm going to be here to find that critter. You know, Dude, just being good. able to, yeah. like, find <laughs> the silver lining or find, like, the, the positive mental attitude or, oh, there's no animals here. It's like, good. I wanted to put a bunch of miles and have this be a tough hunt anyways because the tough hunts are way more rewarding than the easy hunts. In fact, you know, I, I don't have easy hunts for a reason because I enjoy the – the the grit and the challenge and the the toughness like those ones mean more to me than anything so i seek those out i seek out tough country i seek out tough hunts and tough animals because you know that's what i get the most out of as well and so i think just trying to be in this positive mental space no matter what happens to you and just having confidence in yourself that you can overcome it and realize it and you know what's what's the you know you dream all year about these hunts and you think about the hardships you're going to face, but it just hits different when you get there. These highs and lows hit harder when you get there. And so you may prepare all season and have your body right and your mind right and shooting lights out. And you get on these hunts, and pretty soon the mind's like looking for an easy way out or looking to, to quit early or to make up an excuse why you weren't successful. And it's, it's like that's what a, a real resilient mind is or making like this – this strong mind is like being able to to recognize it and go well no i've been waiting all year for this uh, surely i'm gonna hike into a new drainage or you know i'm i'm gonna be on that vantage point at first light and i will turn up a buck and it's amazing like how many times just this inner belief and this positive mental attitude where it just works out and you end up turning up a buck and able to able to put them down whether it's with a rifle or with a bow but it, it, it is amazing like uh how much control uh your mind has over your actions or over the the success of a hunt yeah it does you know so i'll, I'll just give an example this morning um and this is this just happened but like so my buddy um uh, Billy Kennington, he lives here in Afton, Wyoming, and he's he's a just drop. He's an awesome mule deer hunter. Um, but he last night we're like, hey, what do you want to? Let's every week we do something to kind of work out and, and and you know just get get in shape. And so I texted him last night. I was like, dude, let's go. Uh, let's go on a run at five. And he's like, okay. So we were planning it. And he was supposed to run to my house. He's a couple miles away, and then I was going to run to his house. And then he was going to stay because he had to go to work. And then I was going to run back. So, you know, you know, for a couple miles, I don't know, four miles or something. And uh, I I set my alarm last night. I was like, okay, I'm good. Well, I wake up this morning at 6, and I see three texts on my phone. And it's like, dude, where are you? Dude, what's going on? Like, you know, he's like, and he was he was here. I had set my alarm for 5 p.m. not five <laughs> me i have made that mistake and, uh, dude i was just like i was like you gotta be kidding me you know and uh he's like i i text him back like where are you at and he goes i'm home so he had he had ran all the way here and all the way back and i was like dude i'm so sorry like i'm anyways but i got up in a panic because you know we're we're gonna be on this podcast at seven and i was like i'm 
I still need to get out. So I like busted downstairs, get my shoes on. And I, and I pushed myself so hard this morning. Like I was like 20 minutes before this podcast, I was just coughing up. I mean, I was not able to speak, but, uh, but I, you know, I, I took that, like the whole time I was running, I was thinking like, man, I'm, this is disappointing. Like I, my buddy, he's, I don't know what he's thinking about me, you know, like, geez, I, I, this is, this is not like the way I am, you know? And, uh, so I took, but, but then when I got back and I had pushed myself so hard, I sat down on the deck and I was like, you know, I, I can look at this as a positive thing too. You know, I missed out on an opportunity, but because I was late, I pushed myself way past probably what I would have done if I was just cruising along, you know, uh, an hour, I had a couple hours in, in time. So, um, so I, I mean, if you look at the positives and everything, there's so many positives in life and, and, uh, you know, when we miss a buck out there in the mountains, we're still in the mountains, you know, that's, it's such a, it's a cool thing, um, just to be out there. So I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, we always kind of go back to the mental side and maybe that's, I just process things that way a little more and, and maybe, you know, we don't hardly ever talk about equipment and, and, uh, a lot of the physical side, probably just cause we know that that it takes that and, um, uh, maybe mental side, the mental side's kind of my, my weakness or the thing that I need to work on the most or whatever. But I've been gearing up a lot though. Like I've been, getting some new uh sleep systems and some lightweight stuff and just doing I, I i sleep out in the dirt now like i just have like a bivy sack and you know we i think we talked about that last last year um but yeah it's been it's been cool getting some new lightweight equipment um, for this season i feel like what i've been doing is trying to put together equipment packages for each state you know, Wyoming first, Colorado, and then Idaho. And every state has a little different gear, a little different setup. But uh, I think early Wyoming, I'm going to just sleep in a deer bed. And I've got this little tarp and stuff that goes over. And, but, yeah, I mean, it, it takes all, all facets of the, the hunt, the equipment, physical, and mental side to make it come together. But when it does come together, it sure is worth it, isn't it? Oh, dude, it's the best. Yeah, it's the best. It's like you've climbed Everest, you know, or that is our Everest, you know, that we yeah. train for all year round. What a great example this morning, too. I could feel your pain when you woke up late. Like, there's <laughs> nothing worse than, like, you know, making a commitment to somebody and then, or even a commitment to yourself. And then, like, oh, it, yeah. it doesn't happen. You make a mistake and you sleep in and you just, you wake up. Like you said, you wake up in a panic and you just feel like a heel, like, a, you know, that's not the way you live your life. And that's not what you do is make engagements and then not show up for a run. And so you just feel like a heel. But all you can do, like you, you know, it's like missing a buck. You can't have it back. Like all you can do is your actions moving forward. And so like what a great job of texting your buddy and going, dude, I'm such an idiot. I, I set my alarm wrong. I'm so sorry. Good job getting out on your run. And then just getting out the door and getting out for a run. And, you know, I'm sure you were tough on yourself. You're beating yourself up for half the run, you know, like, God, why did yeah. I do that? Or why did – and then, you know, you're pushing so hard because of it. But then you get back and you're like, 
man, it's, it, it's all okay. Like, I'm still friends with that guy. I got in a great workout. I pushed really hard. Like, I overcame, you know, setting my alarm wrong. Like, man, it's fine. I'm going to jump on the podcast, and we're going to have a good conversation this morning. But, you know, it's like uh, that. that's it. Like, you have all these examples of where you can have this positive outlook in life, like, throughout your day or throughout your training before you ever get to the hunt. And I think it's like that training of the mind that then comes into play once you're on the hunt and you do – have some of those heartaches or those lows that we're talking about so yeah man that's like a like a perfect example of like a daily test to like spin it positive and and same thing with me is i i deal with a ton of stress and you know these custom homes there's always some issue coming up but you know i, I can't go back in the past all i can do is handle it the best of uh, to the best of my abilities and like you know let the cards fall where they do and sitting there worrying about it isn't going to do me anything you know so it's like yeah. okay take action solve the problem and get on with my day you know don't don't feel bad about it you know that's just yeah. like a like a great example so yeah man it's um that's awesome you're getting your gear system for these different hunts you're right it's like um you know, especially as you're hunting three different weapons in different seasons as well, it is like you're going to face different temperature, different climate, and uh, different durations for these hunts. And so, yeah, it's trying to find, like, the best gear system for each hunt. But especially, like, um, you know, you're not a huge frame guy, as I'm not either, and that weight is such an equalizer when you have to pack miles and elevation in the mountains. And so you get to be... Uh, like a minimalist, like what can I survive in the mountains with or what's the minimal amount of gear and weight I can take and still be effective in the mountains? Like for me, it's not comfort. I'm not going to bring an eight-pound tent or something, you know. I'm I'm going to figure out the lightest way to do it because I just know the difference for me between a 40 and 45-pound pack or a 45 and a 50-pound pack is a whole bunch of exertion and sore legs and like then – you know, mental strain in the morning when I get up because I have exerted myself so hard. And so, man, I'm always trying to keep that pack weight down. And, you know, we can't go out and afford to just buy the world. But what we can do is like upgrade uh, a couple pieces of our gear every year. And so, yeah, I think like sleeping in the deer bed like that, the the bivy sack with the tarp or like a bivy tent like i use that stone glacier one quite a bit that's a pound and a half and it's it's a modular system where actually the 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 minimal weight is under a pound if i just take the the bare minimum of that shelter and so yeah i think it really is like looking at your gear and figuring out you know what you can take and what you can't and i've been at like I remember showing up to Nevada one time and I had e-scouted it. I hadn't been down there for a scouting trip and it was a new range and I just figured, okay, I'm going to take off from this trailhead and I had this ridge line that went a long ways and I showed up to the trailhead and man, there was a hundred rigs in the trailhead and there was bow hunters getting their bows ready and their packs oh, ready and I mean, I was just overwhelmed, <laughs> right? And I show up yeah. and then guys are asking me where I'm going to go and it's like, man, I don't know where I'm going to go. I just showed up here. I don't even know what the country looks like. And and so yeah. I'm just being bombarded by these hunters. So like I instantly took my pack that I had all packed up, ready to go, and I started dumping weight. Like I pulled out my stove. I pulled out any cooked food. <laughs> I went dry food. Like I started cutting that pack weight down to like under 40 pounds for the 10-day hunt or the 8-day hunt or whatever I was there for. 
because I knew I was going to have to put a bunch of miles in. And, and then I just hit the trail, and, I mean, I didn't even start looking for deer until I put 8, 10 miles behind me. But eventually I was able to find my own drainages and my own bucks to chase and ended up arrowing a buck, like, late into the hunt and then had one of my biggest packouts to make it back to the to the truck there. But, you know, it just, like, I started dumping weight and started going minimalist because I knew I'd have to cover miles and I knew every pound would count and able to ditch the weight, cover a bunch of miles, and eventually kill a buck out of a parking lot with a 100 guys in it, you know? It's like, <laughs> um, it's crazy, but... The right setup for the right place is sure advantageous, and so it's like I think it's good to go through that gear with a fine-tooth comb and lay it all out, and then like you're doing, like the scouting missions tell you so much about the country and finding the deer, but it's also like, you know, it's also training. Like to go for a bonsai weekend up into the mountains takes toughness and grit. That same toughness and grit you're going to need on a hunt, but it gets you comfortable with like sleeping out in the mountains. It gets you comfortable with your gear. And even as much as you think through your gear and make a kit for a certain place, like until you get out there and use that gear, you'll still make tweaks to it like on these scouting missions. But I, I love the scouting because I can put on a bunch of miles in a mountain range. I'm sleeping in deer beds here and there. I'm testing my gear. It's also like gets my mind right, my body right for the mountains. Like those scouting trips are, are so imperative to like preparing for the season. I think it like gives me a leg up. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, you know, um, just even this little this little weekend trip that I went um so we we took the camper up the, the canyon and then the kids were we stayed up late you know cooking marshmallows and whatever and then I I busted out super early um uh, and um went way up on the mountain and anyways I I packed pretty much my pack that I would would take in the fall and my goal was just to just to use a lot of this equipment's new and so I wanted to use it and figure out what was what was worth it, what was the keep, what was the take, you know, what was the modify, and and I think just getting out and using your equipment and and actually really using it in in a manner in which you're going to use it in the fall, you're, you'll find out that even like tents, tarps, sleeping bags, there's a lot of things that you do not need. Um, oh, you need a sleeping bag. I'll tell you that, but uh, <laughs> you definitely yeah. do. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely need that. But like even this, this little tripod that I had on this GoPro, um, I mean, it, it didn't work. Like it, it didn't work well and it just didn't, it didn't fit in the pack very well. And so I modified it. I got another tripod and uh, one that I had used a long time ago, it was super old and, and whatever. But you just, I think the scouting trips, um, not only just getting your mind right, but, but also getting your equipment to the point where, uh, it's usable. Like a lot of guys will, you know, run down to the Western summit or the Western, not the hunting expo, not the Western summit, the, and buy a bunch of brand new gear or, or even just online or whatever. And it sits in a, it sits in a pack until fall. Well, there's a day's worth of, you know, learning at least just trying to figure out how to use it. And on top of that, use it in different conditions, use it in a storm or use it. And so just taking, you know, recommend taking a pack out, the pack you're going to take out in the fall and using all your gear in just a scouting trip. Uh, 
is is definitely um definitely worth worth the trip you know and like like we were talking weight um i am not a big guy i only weigh like 100 you know 155 160 pounds and so even even straps on my pack uh anything that's extra because i'm so skinny like i've got like a foot of strap that's hanging off you know from all these tightening all the straps on my backpack i I tend to cut those off, just trying to make it um, just as efficient as possible and and get out there and use it. Um, and definitely, I, I think, you know, especially like here in Wyoming, this is now my home state and I don't I don't know a lot of the areas. And so for me, this summer is going to be really important just getting out and and finding finding where to go because you can e-scout but it just doesn't do the same uh it doesn't look the same um as as when you're out there like i got cliffed out uh this weekend too and i got on my onyx and it just looks like like the topography the lines are way far apart so i was like oh yeah that's just an easy little saddle you know that's that's cake and so I get up on this this big knob and cut across there, and there's a 15 foot cliff, and I don't know if just the topography, like the imagery or something, didn't pick it up. I don't know how that all works, but like it was it was definitely not, I wasn't going to be able to get around, and I had to go all the way down the canyon because it was one of those knife ridges that ran you know all the way down into the bottom. And then come all the way back up. And there was no way to get across that. So what I was thinking is like, that was my glassing knob where I was at. And I was like, okay, so if there's a buck across the canyon and on this side over here, then this knife ridge is actually going to affect my stock. Like I'm, I'm going to be exposed for a half a mile if I'm going to have to get over there. And, and it also went the other way. And so I was like, okay, but those are, those are just priceless, um, little bits of information that you get when you get out there and scout that can help you in the fall. You know, I know that right now I am not going to glass from that knob. I'm going to get in front of that cliff edge down off the saddle and try and glass that, that basin before I try and bed, bed a buck, you know. And so there's just there's just cool little bits of information, and then it gets us all hyped up for the fall, and we're all all excited. And I don't know, it just keeps me motivated, keeps my legs in in shape, ready to go. And I don't know. I mean, what's your what's your thoughts on that? I mean, I know you're you get out quite a bit, don't you? Yeah, that's um, it's so spot on. It's like just learning those tidbits of information, like downloading that information about the unit and how you're gonna hunt it. I think that that constant thought process is really good too. It's like problem solving and uh it's like forward thinking into season and and yeah, I think these these scouting trips are super important and and the you know the the longer I do this, the the less scouting trips I make, which isn't a good thing. Like I want to get back to this scouting all summer and these units that I'm going to hunt and I rely on a lot of information from previous seasons hunting in these units and then, you know, a lot of these spots can be 12, 16 hours away from my house where I just don't have a chance to go down there. But the scouting trips, 
it um it just put gives you such a leg up on your hunts like learning the stuff that you did but also just learning the road systems and the trailheads and being able to predict where the hunting pressure is going to be and then getting in the mountains and like you say the e-scouting and and boots on the ground are just totally different things and you know I spend a lot of time e-scouting uh, but you're right. It just always looks different when you get there. It's always bigger than you envision. And uh, to to actually put boots to ground and to go scout, you you actually learn way more information than you can ever get e scouting. It's like you know you're able to see the bucks and where how they interact with the landscape and where they're at and the animals. And so, dude, I do think it's it's so important. And um, I want to get back to my ways of scouting all summer, and I'll I'll definitely make a scouting trip or two, you know, to a couple spots that I have to check out this year. But um, yeah, I definitely want to do more of that scouting in the summertime, as um, you know, that's the way you turn up these new locations and new spots. And once you're into season, you're going so hard to be into game animals that it can be a lot tougher to scout. But I do think like this, like the season's knowledge. It is so crucial as well because that's the actual season that you're hunting. So you're actually scouting the season that you're hunting. So that information that you learn during season, uh, you know, is crucial for like future planning and things as well. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm just fortunate where I'm hunting a lot of spots that I've been in before that I know are good. And then, you know, I try to expand my knowledge from there where it's like, okay, I'm going to a unit and to drainages that I've been, but but how am I going to s- explore deeper or look farther? Or where could other bucks be in this place? How can I move my camp and hunt a, a new area? So I'm always trying to expand my knowledge in that way too. Uh, but yeah, I, I just... um. I think those those scouting trips, like if you really want to be successful and you've drawn a good tag, whether that's elk or mule deer or whatever it is, it's like get in there and scout that thing. Those days that you put in are almost like hunt days when it comes to hunting, but you're able to get back to your house and reset and then come with a recharged battery and like more knowledge on that place when you do come for your next hunt or your next scout mission. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I think it's really important. I think. You know, you, you brought up a great point. Um, I mean, we, as far as like the hunting season goes, those are days that are just, they're gold. Like you can't, every bit of information that you can get during season, um, I would record it, put it in a journal, do something because that's, that's when it's go time, you know? And so I guess, I guess this, you know, scouting, for me is really important right now because I'm in a new state and then I'm hunting another new state like Colorado. But like, I guess you bring up a great point, Idaho, a lot of the places that I'm going to go, I've been there. And so I know where the springs are. I kind of know where the deer kind of congregate. And, and, and obviously, I mean, I, I can still scout new, new areas, but you're right. Like it's, once you kind of get that knowledge and, and mindset about where you're going to be, like the mountains aren't going to change, you know, they're going to be the same uh, to a degree. Things can change a little bit, fires and all that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, I, I think, I guess if you, if you're going to a new area, a new state or something like that, it's the scouting seasons are super important. Um, but banking on, um, you know, previous knowledge in, in states or areas that you've hunted before, that that's going to be probably, uh, you know, as 
as or more important um, information, you know, definitely. Yeah, and it's so nice, like, um, going back to a range this year that um, I drew, you know, I haven't drawn it for four or five years, but I know the unit's just been getting better, and the last time I hunted it, it was money in there, and it's like, um, you know, when I look back and I've hunted that thing, I believe I've hunted it twice and taken a couple nice bucks out of there, but... You know, those two times, you know, I have a combination of 18 days of hunting in there during season, you know, and oh, so yeah. that knowledge is huge. And, and not only to hunt the exact locations and where I found bucks, but to expand my knowledge. And so, you know, I've actually got some plans this year for some through hikes where I'll bring my dirt bike carrier and my dirt bike in the back and park that dirt bike on one end of the range and go, you know, up the range quite a few miles. And then I'll just hunt one direction. That way I don't got to hunt back and forth on this ridgeline or focus on a small piece of this range. I can kind of through hunt and it's, it's a tough unit. Like I've got to carry all my water. And so, you know, my rips into the mountains, I can only do about three, four days because I've got to pack all my water and it's a huge climb. So, you know, I'm planning like a couple of these or a, a three of these three day rips inside my hunt is my is my game plan you know but yeah it's definitely like this previous year's knowledge and some of this stuff is like so tough to scout for as well like it's it's tough to scout for elk right now because the bulls are in bachelor herds hanging high and i try to look yeah. for cows and numbers and rubs and look for sign of where elk are rutting uh, but you know, everything can change come September when the rut kicks off and, and same thing for like hunting for, uh, like, a, a pre rut or rut mule deer. It's like scouting right now. You're not finding the deer where you're going to be hunting the rut. I mean, maybe you'll find some does hanging in there, but it's just a totally different place right now than it will be come the rut. But what you can learn is the, the vantage points and trailheads and the hikes you'll make and, uh, you know, you can kind of plan ahead for that. Like, oh, this, like a, a rut spot that I hunt. Uh, well, there's always a bunch of snow in there and the roads get real tricky to drive, but I can get down there in the summertime and I can cruise every single one of those roads and figure out where the good vantage points are and the good access points, you know, to get to those good places where I think those deer are going to be rutting. Do I see many deer on the scouting trip? No, but I'm okay yeah. with that because they'll move in there, you know? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what uh, I experienced too. Like, so these Wyoming, well, Wyoming got hit hard, you know, it was, that was a rough winter. And, uh, so a lot of the deer got killed and, and a lot of the fawns are, are gone. But the, the area that I was at, the, the deer actually haven't even made it to that area yet. They're, they're still working their way. And so, you know, like that, that bit of information, I, I wasn't, I wasn't too disappointed to not see as many. Um, because I knew they're still, they're still working their way. Although I did see quite a few, you know, I still saw quite a few and, and, uh, I was, I was happy to see, um, see quite a few young deer, you know, still made it through and, uh, there's quite a few bucks and does. And, and so I, I was happy to see that, but like you're saying, you know, every, if you go out and set, uh, you know, mid summer and then expect to, see the same kind of, uh, you know, movement or, or, uh, deer that are going to be there in, in late November, that's probably not going to be the same, you know, but, uh, but yeah, dude, I, I love talking to you. This has been, this is great. I, uh, I really enjoy 
you know, getting on. I, I enjoy having you kind of as a buddy to be able to text or call you anytime. And that's, that's one of the great things about the hunting community is we all, we all kind of, we all get along or at least we all, we all try and get along, you know, and, um, are able to kind of talk to each other. I was able to talk to Lambers. Is it Lampers or Lambers? Yeah, Lampers. Yep. Lampers. I was able to talk to him a little bit at the expo and, you know, these, uh, it's cool to be able to get to know all these, these guys and it's, it's pretty good deal. And I enjoyed this podcast, man. It's been great to following along and getting to know all these new guys that you have coming on. Um, I, I message them or something to try and get to know them and, and they're all really good dudes. So it's pretty fun. Man, we have like the, the best community, don't we? And, and likewise, dude, I I love having you on the podcast. That's why I try to have you on as much as I can, because I do really (laughs) enjoy our conversations and you're like living the life, you know, it's like, you're so driven for trophy animal, driven for trophy mule deer. You put in the work, you're able to self analyze and look at your mindset. You're like a student of the game. That's constantly soaking in information, trying to be at his very best. And so like when we get together, we hit it off and I, I think that's the beautiful thing about the community, man. It's like um, we can be worlds different or live in different states and never met. But uh, when we get together, we're just instant friends or we have so much in common. And, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I just, that's... I find that like, even like traveling to Australia and, you know, I've got my couple good buddies there that I'm even better friends with now after, you know, spending a bunch of time with them and hunting for another couple weeks down there. They're just the, the greatest guys that would do anything for me and, and vice versa. Oh, yeah. I would do anything for them, but then meeting their friends and being able to share a hunting camp with those guys and and we just grew up in in two totally different worlds like uh australia is a different world than the united states or at least a a different country all the way across the world <laughs> but you know there's still this kindred spirit this there's still like so many similarities and, and and you just know when you meet those guys and and not everybody in the hunting community is a great guy but i don't know the majority of the ones that i run into i seem to really get along with and like and uh admire you know and so same thing with like these western summits we were together with 30 guys and five instructors last weekend and you know i consider every one of them a friend now like when you hang out and uh go share an adventure with them and have these in-depth conversations you realize like 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 how much you have in common and and then also you know everybody builds like this different um this different hunt style, right? We, none of us hunt exactly the same. Like we yeah, we hunt sure. similar as other guys, but it's like you build your own hunt style. And like you know, last weekend was the elk summit, and so there's guys that call, and there's guys that are really good at calling and kill great bulls, and then there's guys that spot and stalk like I do, and then uh, you know, there's all these different ideas that sometimes the speakers even contradict each other because. Um, you know, yeah. that's their experience in the habitat they hunt and the elk that they chase. And this is this other guy's experience and the elk that they chase and the elk that they call to. And you kind of come up with a different belief system. And the truth is, is that both of them work. It's like 
you just got to figure out your own style of hunting and your own style of decision making and kind of figure it out for yourself, the country that you like and uh, the way you go about it and, and the way you look for stocks. And, you know, I like to stock early season bucks in their bed and late season bucks on their feet. And somebody can be totally different and kill just as big or as much as many mule deer as me. And so you kind of have to, like, take these tidbits of information and then, like, I think the challenge is, is really being able to apply this information that you learn from other guys and other conversations and be able to apply it to your own hunting and your own experiences. And I think that's what, like, uh, uh, what what really furthers you as a hunter is, like, being able to take in this knowledge and these tidbits and then apply it to your own experiences. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, so <clears throat> it's, it's uh, I don't know, you just so like my buddy that was here this morning to go for a run we had this exact conversation yesterday because he he hunts a little bit different than i do and i hunt i mean we we both i kind of have a run and gun technique like more just really aggressive and and uh you know like just like if there's a buck around like i'm going for it uh, like I, obviously i'm not going to go in there like almost destructive you know like i'm I'm not gonna do that but i'm very aggressive and he's he's more kind of patient and watches and and waits for that right opportunity but we've both killed giant deer you know and we both killed lots of bucks and so we're having this conversation you know like i'm not i'm not better than you and you're not better than me we just need to work together you know and and figure out you know, the hunting styles and, and I can learn from you and you can learn from me. And that's, that's why I also like following what you do and stuff. You're super successful hunter and, uh, you know, damp car and those, all, all you guys that are successful, I'm trying to learn and we all should try and learn, um, from, you know, successful hunters because we may not do it exactly the same way. And our, our way may not be the right way to do it at that moment, or it may be, you know, and, and so we're always constantly, constantly learning. But, uh, but yeah, man, it's uh, it's gonna be a great season. Like I am so jacked for this season. It's, it's pretty exciting, and I'm excited to see what, uh, you know, what the, what you guys come up with, and and uh, definitely, definitely gonna be a good one. I feel, even though, even though the numbers are kind of down a little bit, I feel like we're gonna. We're going to be okay. There's been really, really good growth, um, really good moisture in the West. And uh, I think as long as we're smart and we, you know, make make good choices and as far as taking mature deer and, and trying not kill out these younger deer, I think we're going to we're going to get through this, you know. So. That's, that's good to hear. Yeah, I was worried about Wyoming. I heard those numbers the other day of a 70% mortality rate on adult mule deer and 100% on fawns. Uh, but I've hunted at that place after like tough winters and things, and there's just other deer that make it. And those numbers were taken off migrational routes, and you know I, I know that they're accurate, you know, in in what they're seeing. But um, yeah, that's good to hear your positive outlook on it. And you said something that was. Um, really important like in that that um uh that last spiel that you were given is that like constantly learning it's like you can learn something from anybody and it's like just being a student of the game it's like uh uh the the 
the joy of doing this is that it's really, really difficult. And so it requires like this total focus, this year round work and effort just to give yourself a chance at success. But boy, if you get stuck in a rut or you stop learning, you know, you're just going to stop this progression of a hunter and, and stop the learning curve. And so I think it is like just constantly being a student of the game and that's learning from other people. I think that's learning from in the field and what you're seeing, just like you found that that ribbon cliff that you couldn't make it up. And, and all of a sudden you're starting to theorize, well, now I can't look from this vantage point. Now I need to be below this cliff when I look so I can make a play on a deer that I do see so I'm not so exposed. Like this constant theorizing and and uh, uh, creative thinking like is, is um, so crucial for success. And if you're a student of the game, there's like, there's no limit to how good you can get and what you can achieve. And, and I'm the same way as I'm always learning. I'm always improving and trying to get better at all these different facets of, of bow hunting to be at my very best because I know how difficult it is. But the way I train and the way my head is set, like I'm going to have the best year I've ever had. And you're, you have the exact same mindset. Like you were always learning and always improving. And you look at yourself through this crucial lens, which you don't want to beat yourself up or focus on the negative, but you also want to be able to look at your skills objectively objectively or to look at the moves that you've made objectively and go I could have played that a little bit different or maybe next time I'll I'll make a move this way and and you hunt aggressive like I hunt aggressive like we were always trying to give ourselves a chance and sometimes we push that line too far and we end up blowing out a deer that we didn't mean to or blowing out an animal that we didn't mean to and I notice as I get older like I'm able older or mature as a bow hunter like I'm able to still keep that aggressiveness, give myself a chance, but I'm also able to develop more patience. Like if the situation isn't right, I believe in myself to to wait and wait for a better situation or I push hard, but I, I don't – like you were saying, I'm not reckless. I'm not going to push it to the point of failure. I'm going to take what that animal gives me, and then I'm going to hold up and wait for something more to develop. And I notice – you know, those patients and the, the patients waiting for the right angle and the right shot. I've just got way more comfortable being in bow range. And that, like that red stag that I killed, I was in range of that thing for 30 minutes before oh, I finally man. put a perfect arrow through his lungs. And he was roaring like a madman at one point. Dude, I had him at 45 yards broadside, but he was walking, looking in my direction. And then when he stopped, he looked like right in my direction. And I just knew that if I try to make my move now, I may get drawn. (laughs) I may get an arrow in him, but he's going to see me move, and I have a chance of blowing that red stick out. Or if I don't make a move right now, so he's 45 yards broadside, clear open path to his vitals, and I just sat there and I didn't move a muscle. And I just waited because I knew he was looking at me. Could I have got away with it? Maybe. But I may have spooked him. And instead, I ended up having him walk by me at about 18 yards and put a perfect arrow into him just by continuing to be patient, waiting for the right angle, the right shot, the right time to bend my limbs. And so, yeah, just the longer I do this, I think the the better I'm getting at it. And that's, I think, the goal is to be a student of the game and constantly learning and improving. Oh, yeah, 100%, man. There's a, as, as we do this, as the more that we do it, especially in, in shot situations like you're talking about, it's almost like, it's like you, you hurry up. It's, I don't know. My mindset's kind of like super aggressive and then complete halt. Like as soon as that you get in with bow within weapon range, I guess it's like it, you, you're going so fast 
and then you slow to almost a complete stop. And then you let your mind, I mean, we talked about autopilot, kind of go into that autopilot of just like feeling, feeling out the animal, their mannerisms, you know, which way they're looking, just, just the way the wind's moving, being able to feel all those senses. And then, and then, you know, if you, if you do all that, hopefully it comes together, but, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, I'm so, so excited. It's going to be fun. And, and I'm, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate, uh, everything you guys do. I mean, I appreciate talking to you and it's, it's been great. It's been really, really good. So dude, likewise, I love having you on. So, um, yeah, yeah. Keep after those bucks, and um, I'll check in with you here come season, and let's get an update from you and hear how those hunts went with those different weapon styles. But yeah, man, I'm cheering for your success. Um, I'll keep at yeah, it. Yeah, I, mean, I uh, yeah, we'll see. So we'll see how it goes. That's my goal. So if I can drop three one eighties, I mean, I'll I'll be on cloud nine, man. That'll be one of the most. And if I can film it, that would be really really cool too. It could be the trifecta. So pretty yep. neat. Yep, that's it. Well, thanks a bunch, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'll catch up with you soon, and um, yeah, uh, keep after him. Okay, sounds good, Brian. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Okay, bye. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Yeah, really fun conversation with Matt. I um, really like that guy, and uh, sure, we'll see his continued success this season on Muley's, so... Uh, be on the lookout for that. Make sure to go follow him at his um, IG. Send him a note if you like the podcast. Uh, really helps with um, getting good guests on the podcast. So uh, thanks to that. Thanks to you guys for all the support. Uh, support and shares on IG really help. And then um, reviews on iTunes and um, things of that nature. So I really appreciate you guys uh, listening in each and every week. Um I want to thank our sponsors, so I want to thank Savage. Again, check those things out. So accurate right out of the box. Uh, also, make sure to check out Silencer Central. They have that um, that Backcountry Banish, which I think is a, a, a great uh, silencer for um, hunting, and I think like there's a bunch of benefits too. So check those guys out. Black Ovis, check out Camo Fire. And everything we're doing at Eastman's, Dan and I's new podcast, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Life of a Bow Hunter. Again, it's on a different feed you have to search for. Uh, Mule Deer Course, put in the promo code BRIANMDC. And everything we have going over there at Eastman's. So, man, with that, um, yeah, just kind of getting back to it here. We've done the Western Hunting Summits the last couple weekends with Lampers, which has been great to connect with those guys and um, going on adventure, and it's also helped my shooting, shooting those 3D courses and things of that nature. So, um, yeah, man, it's been really fun, and, um, yeah, just looking to um, kind of get back into a routine and uh, really peak my training here in the next month or so. Season is just not that far off, so trying to get everything in order here as far as work and family and um, fitness and... and um, shooting and everything and we'll hit the ground running so i know i'm super excited for some of these adventures coming up so uh i'm, I'm sure you guys are too uh that's why i can while you're listening to this podcast and trying to improve your skills so uh, again i really appreciate the support guys um and with that i'll check in with you next week <laughs>